Hello and welcome to the Total Entertainment Podcast with me, Paul Collis. And today we're going to be taking a look at Simply Red. Now, what can I tell you? Well, there's a, a lot going on today. It's a relatively large show, but it doesn't look like it's a large show. The reason for this is it's an 8-truck show with three tall buses. And it doesn't look on the inside that it's an 8-truck show. So a lot of stuff hidden within the rig. So sound-wise, you've got line arrays, which are double-spanned and uh, quite deep. You've got a set of flying subs behind the uh, main line array, and a little bit further down, you have the line array pointing 45 degrees outwards to give it the surround sound effect. In the pit, there are a handful of subs which have been placed underneath the stage. The stage itself is quite shallow, but there's a lot going on upstage uh, behind the backing drape which is four smaller white drapes that are in uh, columns going from the grid right down to the bottom and on these uh, four columns of that uh, white drape you have projection screens and the projections come in front of the house from uh, the mixer at the other end of the arena so powerful projectors to pull that off there's only two projectors in front of the house, so map stage left with one projector and stage right with the other projector. Either side of the stage you have thin side screens, which are uh, just slightly wider than the uh, column drapes, which are centre stage. And they're being back projected from uh, the wings, either side of the stage. And yet again, those have been mapped, so they can so they can alter the images and focus directly onto the screens themselves with that no overspill. The stage itself is looking pretty empty. You've got not much at the back of the stage or the sides or even that downstage. You've got a nice riser right in the middle of the stage which spans two thirds of the stage in total where every member of the band is positioned. And the band just evenly spaced out on this uh, middle mid-stage riser. So it will look pretty good actually. I, I reckon it will look really good. Above stage you've got a hell of a lot of uh, ladder trusses which are uh, going over the stage as though it's a grid. Just like you did on the uh, UB40 show. And you have a front house bar which is, uh, which is going to provide front light which is going to put which is going to uh, produce the, the front light and i doubt there'll be any uh, lights dedicated into the audience today is a seat event so once the mojo is finished being put in the last of the seats will go in and i've been told that it's a sold out performance so it's going to be very very good to see another fully seated gig and this has been cancelled and cancelled and cancelled and now it's actually going ahead you're going to have a lot of eager fans who have been waiting and waiting and waiting to finally see this show we are expecting a bit of a dropout because of the last cancellation when McHartnell had COVID so some people just won't be able to get time off of work with the show being performed on a Monday we'll be back after this So not only does Master X Media have a series of podcasts, but we also have a series of books. The first book 
is actually two books, it's volume one and volume two, of a tribute to working at sea. The best fiction is based on truth. This is a compilation of short stories, rants and poems loosely based on the author's experience at working on a cruise ship. Some of these stories are based on actual events but highly exaggerated, whilst other stories are pure fiction. The title of the book A Tribute To is fitting with the tone of the book because like a tribute act, it is a blatant altered reality where you can enjoy it knowing it's not quite the truth. There are things of alcoholism which used to be highly prevalent within workers in the cruise industry as well as stories with a sexual nature. So sit down, relax and enjoy the ride of A Tribute to Working at Sea Volumes 1 and 2. All of these books are available on Amazon and are available in paperback and on Kindle and the links for all these books are in the description below. Simply Red are a soul and pop band formed in Manchester in 1985. The lead vocalist of the band is singer and songwriter Mick Hucknall, who by the time the band initially disbanded in 2010, was the only original member left since the release of their debut album Picture Book in 1985. They've had 10 songs reach top 10 in the UK singles chart, including Holding Back the Years and If You Don't Know Me By Now, both of which reached number one in the US Billboard Hot 100. They have five number one albums in the UK with their 1991 album Stars being one of the best selling albums in UK chart history. At the 1992-1993 Brit Awards, they received the award for Best British Group and received three Grammy Award nominations for the Best New Artist in 1987, Holding Back the Years and If You Don't Know Me By Now for the Best Pop Performance by a duo or group with vocals. The band reformed in 2015. Simply Red has sold over 50 million albums. The current members are Mick Hucknall on lead vocals, Ian Kerricum on saxophone, he's on the keyboards as well, Steve Lewison on bass and backing vocals, Kenji Suzaki on guitars and backing vocals, Kevin Robinson on trumpet, flugelhorn, percussion, backing vocals, Dave Clayton on keyboards, Roman Roth on drums and backing vocals. And the former members are Fritz McIntyre on keyboards and vocals. He was in there 1985 to 1996 and he died in 2021. Tim Kellett on the trumpet, flugelhorn, keyboards and backing vocals. He was in the band from 1985 to 1994. Tony Bowers on bass from 1985 to 1991. Chris Joyce on drums and percussion in 1985 to 1991. David Fryman on guitars in 1985. Sullivan Richardson on guitars in 1985 to 1987. Aziz Abraham on guitars 1987 to 1988. Hector Perrier on guitars 1988 to 1996. Gokte Yukashi on drums and percussion 1991 to 1995. He had a break and uh, came back from 1997 to 2003. Sean Ward on bass, backing vocals uh, from uh, 1991 to 1994. Dee Johnson on backing vocals in 1991 to 2008. Valerie Bailey on drums in 1995 to 1998. Sarah Brown backing vocals 1995 to 2008. 
Tim Vine on keyboards and bass 1996 to 1999, John Johnson on trombone and percussion 1998 through to 2008 and he died in 2017, Mark James on guitars in 1998 to 2003, Wayne Stobbert on bass in 1998 to 2002, Chris DeMarjorie on saxophone and flute 1998 to 2008, and Andy Wright on keyboards and bass 1998 to 2002, and you had Pete Lewison on drums from 2003 to 2010. So a lot of former members. Right, so here's their discography. So you've got listed as their studio albums. Picture Book in 1985, Men and Women in 1987, A New Flame in 1989, Stars in 1991, Life in 1995, Blue in 1998, Love and the Russian Winter in 1999, Home in 2003, Simplified in 2005, Stay in 2007, Big Love in 2015, Blue Eyed Soul in 2019. So a nice tidy set of albums and there's also a, uh, a uh, solo discography for Mick Hartnell. So you had Tribute to Bobby in 2008, then you had 2012 American Soul and his singles were in 2008, Poverty and Father Up the Road. 2011, Happy This Christmas. 2012, That's How Strong My Love Is. So that's a nice little bit of background on Simply Red. After the break, we're going to come back with uh, the supporting artist, Micah Paris. We'll be back after this. 30 Years Since is a sci-fi story podcast, which is full of dramatical moments and a bit of gratuitous violence. The first series was originally done in first person, so it, the character is just telling a monologue, and then the second series and onwards became more third person, so it was more of an in-depth story, and uh, you have all the characters actually interacting with each other. Great set of sci-fi stories. So, 30 years after an alien invasion, which uh, the humans lost and the first story arc is now over though we've got plenty more story arcs left to tell from the land of 30 years since so why not check it out the links are in the description below and we're back so Michelle Antonot Wallen MBE born 27th of April in 1969 is professionally known as Micah Paris as an English singer, presenter and actress. She was born in Islington in North London but moved to Brockley, South London when she was nine. Paris released her debut album So Good in 1988 which spawned singles including My One Temptation and Where Is The Love. She has since gone on to release seven further albums, Contribution in 1990, Whisper a Prayer in 1993, Black Angel in 1998, If You Could Love Me in 2005, Soul Classics in 2005, Born Again in 2009, and Gospel in 2020. And in 2020, Paris was cast in the BBC soap opera EastEnders as Ellie Nixon. 
Paris grew up singing in her grandparents' church and by her mid-teens was making regular appearances with the Spirit of Watts Gospel Choir, with whom she featured on the 1985 EP Gospel Joy. At the age of 17, she became a backing vocalist with the UK band Hollywood Beyond. Paris appeared on their album If in 1985. In 1988, she released her debut platinum-selling album, So Good, with Fall From Broadway when she was 19 years old. My Warm Temptation was the lead single. This led to a collaboration with American soul singer Will Downing on a cover version of a classic Where Is The Love, made famous by Donny Hathaway and Roberta Flack in the early 1970s. The follow-up album Contribution was released in 1990, this extended Paris's soul and gospel influences to bring in hip-hop and house music and featured the track If I Love You Tonight, written by Prince and recorded at his Paisley Park studios with Omer Lyfock, a classically trained musician. Paris recorded I Should Have Known Better in 1990. It was issued on the B-side to South of the River. Paris also recorded with Anita Barker, Bonnie Raitt and Natalie Cole on the album Nelson Mandela, an international tribute for a free South Africa in 1990, and provided the title track to Isaac Julian's Young Soul Rebels movie soundtrack the following year. She worked with the saxophonist Courtney Pine, Redemption Song in 1992, the stereo MC's Don't Let Up in 1992, and Bobby Womack, I Wish I'd Never Met You in 1991. Her third album was, a, was Whisper a Prayer in 1993, which included the singles I Never Felt Like This Before and I Wanna Hold On To You, as well as Put A Move On My Heart, which was later recorded by Tamia in 1995 on Quincy Jones's Q Jock Giant album. This followed by more collaboration work on the, on the album tracks with Guru on his Jazzmaster 2, Looking Through Darkness in 1995, Mark Morrison Years For You in 1996, and Maxwell Mantra in 1996. Paris released the album Black Angel on Chrysalis in 1998. It, con it contained a cover version of U2's One and a duet with James Ingram. Black Angel produced two more top 20 singles in Stay and Carefree. More collaborations followed with Omar Confection in 1994, Max Beasley with Higher Vibes in 1994, Subversive Police and Thieves in 1998, the Mobo All-Stars compilation album in 1998, Mr. X, One Million Smiles in 1998, Prince, Just My Imagination in 2000, and Boy George, I Could Be Someone in 2000. A collaboration with David Gilmore and Jules Holland on Screaming Jay Hawkins' track, I Put a Spell on You, followed in 2001. The trio had regrouped on occasions to perform the hit. Two years later, Paris lent her voice to Walt Disney Pictures' Touchstone's Pictures soundtrack for High Hills and Low Lives, which was later included in the Primal Screen soundtrack compilation album 2001. In 2003, Paris released the Moby sampling Hearts with Sepram Suite. Paris also joined Omar on stage for his gig at the Shepherd's Bush Empire. She also contributed to the track I Don't Understand on Milk and Sugar album. 2004 saw Paris feature as a guest on the new Inspirational Choirs album, Inspirations, along with Keisha White and Jocelyn Brown. In 2005, Paris released the album If You Could Love Me on Windy Bird Records, 
featuring backing from the Breaker Brothers on the title track with executive producer Andreas Newman and producer Bernard Grobman. Also in 2005 she released the album Soul Classics with executive producers Rick Blasky and Andreas Newman. Paris collaborated with Lamar on the track Can't See You on his album The Truth About Love in 2006 and in February 2008 she released the duet Secret Lovers with Alexandra O'Neill. This was followed by a residency at the Indigo O2. In June 2009 she released her sixth studio album Born Again. She embarked on a nationwide tour which included dates at the Jazz Cafe in February 2009 to showcase the material. The album was produced by Brian Rawling, James Morrison rates Paris's first single Baby Come Back Now. Paris released the single Born Again on the 17th of August 2009. The track The Hardest Thing was remixed by Stonebridge Almighty and Too Dark. Paris performed at various venues prior to the release of the album in March 2010 of the title track Born Again. Right, so here's her discography, So Good in 1988, Contribution in 1990, Whisper of Prayer in 1993, Black Angel in 1998, If You Could Love Me in 2005, Soul Classics in 2005, Born Again in 2009 and Gospel in 2020. Now we've had a bit of background on Micah Paris, let's uh, take another look at the, at the show. We'll be back after this. The name's Vert, Percival Reginald Vert, and I run the PR Vert Detective Agency. The year is 2055, and the police have been defunded. So if you need a police investigation, the police will charge you a thousand big ones a day. Because of this, the government introduced the PI Act, where the private investigators can undercut the police so justice can become affordable. These are my case files. Percival Vert is no hero. He is a low-life scumbag and the full embodiment of how not to be a man. He cheats his way into getting work, he objectifies women and is quite a disgusting human being, if you can even call him that. Gumshoe is intended to poke fun at everyone that takes life too seriously and directly towel whips the modern day Puritans in the balls because they have forgotten the fact that when something isn't funny in real life, it's probably hilarious in the land of fiction. Come and listen to Gumshoe every Wednesday. The links are in the description below. And we're back. So uh, let's. So I'm going to talk about Micah uh, Par- Micah Paris's uh, performance. And damn, I've never heard her before, and I am so so impressed with that performance. Such an awesome performance. Right. So. Mike had the full silk backdrops which were uh, illuminated by a bank of LED pin spots at the top and some LED washes at the bottom so one so uh, when the colors merge they merge seamlessly a nice piece of programming and focusing that is uh, you'd have to, it would have to be perfect because <laughs> that's how I could describe it that's the only way I could describe it as being absolutely flawless in uh, color and illumination Throughout the whole of her performance, it was one colour, which was Congo Blue. She didn't have any other colour on stage or have any uh, of the moving head giving any um, gobo breakups. It was just the one Congo Blue wash with a bit of face light from uh, LX, well, from the front of house bar. So nice, simple and effective. And 
what I did notice, which no one else would, I suppose you've got to have the trained eye for it. You could see the muted projector uh, bouncing around a little bit on the backdrop. And what I mean by that is the projector, which is front house, as uh, it was reacting with the vibrations from the bass, you could see slight distortions. Because even though the image is muted, it still emits a bit of light, which you wouldn't really notice unless you uh, unless you got that trained eye. So when I say the uh, image is muted, it's essentially the um, a black a black background. So you, it's just produce, it's just showing a very small amount of light. And as uh, the uh, projector bounce around with a bit of bass from uh, Micah's uh, show, you could see a nice little bit of distortion. And the only way I can describe it is, um, if you used to watch Star Trek in the good old days, as in the original series, and even to a degree Star Trek The Next Generation, <laughs> showing my age and uh, my geekiness, you'll see the outline of the Klingon Bird of Prey where it was cloaked. And you needed good you needed good eyesight to see it even on TV then, but you'd see a slight distortion. And although they the cast would only just make it out, but anyways, I digress. And that's the kind of distortion that I noticed on the backdrop from the projector as it was bouncing around. So I knew it was there because I knew the projector was there, and also I could see the um, little distortion on the uh, back screens. Although most people probably wouldn't see that distortion. Nice bit of theory there and a nice analogy anyways i'll continue i've digressed a bit too much so micah and her band were all center stage well down center stage so you had the the riser that simply red were based on and uh, they were just in front of that so for the length of the riser and just in front of that riser to the front of the stage was a nice little compact square so they essentially had one-fifth of the entire stage they weren't too claustrophobically bunched together but it was tight though but visually it looks good but visually it was very good I have to say so yeah not claustrophobically tight but nicely spaced but tight as well what I did notice uh, is normally the main set would be either at would either be uh, covered by a backdrop or a kabuki and if they didn't have that they'd drape over the uh, instruments and the risers and whatnot to keep it top secret but not simply red no they wanted you to see it it was an open preset so all their instruments were set so everyone could see them purposely behind Micah Paris's band now with Micah's actual performance she was full of charisma i mean she owned that stage that stage that belonged to simply red belonged to her first and she made that known she made it known that she belonged on that stage and it was very reminiscent of something at first i couldn't put my uh, finger on it and then it just dawned on me she had the same charisma and stage presence like tina turner with mannerisms dance moves and just the full embodiment of enjoying that show and I'm not saying that she was doing a Tina Turner impression because she wasn't she was doing she was being herself but she had those traits of how uh, Tina Turner would do things so it was more of an inspiration she was inspired by Tina Turner in that style of uh, how she would perform 
which isn't exactly unique but it was very very much full of her own personality as well and and it came across it came across really really well so much energy from this performance so much vibrancy within her voice and oh my god her voice was amazing and as I said earlier on, this is the first time I heard Micah Paris. I've never heard of her before because uh, normally it's not my kind of genre. Although I would listen to all kinds of music and I used to work on a lot of soul shows when I worked at sea. Because soul uh, is very popular. It, it always it will be popular in my opinion. And uh, those kind of songs will never die. And, and from her vocals, damn, they're very very spintingly impressive and I was absolutely honoured to actually see that show I was very very honoured to see it sound wise it was absolutely flawless you had 22 karat clarity the band were perfectly balanced you could hear every aspect of it very crystal crystal clear and uh, and it came across really really well it was perfectly mixed and then on top of the instruments, the uh, vocals are perfect. The backing vocals are mixed perfectly. And when I say mixed, it was blended in very, very well. And it didn't sound karaoke. It sounded in equivalence of, which was absolutely perfect. It was definitely CD quality sound. And the sound engineer should give himself a pat on the back because he had a stroke of genius. A tribute to men that hate their jobs is a brutal but witty portrayal of working a job you hate. In this podcast there are themes explored in which happy workers simply wouldn't understand unless they listen to these cautionary tales from a man that lost his ideal job because of the global pandemic. Be warned that this podcast contains strong offensive language that some listeners may not want to hear. In addition, this podcast is definitely not recommended for younger audiences. The links for this is in the description below. And we're back. So, Simply Red. They came on to, uh, yet again, the Congo Blue look. It was a very dark, dim version of the Congo Blue. And the band walked on to have a massive, roaring applause. I mean, proper roaring applause. And once I was in position, they started up. And then as the vocals started, Mick Hutner walked on stage. So he essentially started in the stage right wing and uh, entered as soon as his vocals started. Nice way to start a show. I have to say, very nice way to start a show. Nice, chilled, relaxed entrance. Now, the lighting states for the first seven songs were basic. I mean, proper basic. Now why were they basic? I mean after all they had a lot of lights in the air which they didn't seem to use that much at the start. They basically had the same kind of lighting style as Micah Paris did at, on her set. But there was a reason for this. Where they were front projecting the uh, images onto the, uh, onto the four drop down silks. They... Uh, it's because the uh, projector, they're afraid of it bleeding out. When I say bleeding out, the lights were definitely more powerful than the uh, projector that they had. So if they had all these lighting effects, you just wouldn't see the uh, images on the screen. Hence why they dialed it down a little bit. 
whilst the screens were running. On the seventh song, the four silks dropped because they were actually part of a kabuki system, which I didn't even know until uh, it happened. The next part of the set, which was built before I got in and covered up by the kabuki drapes, it revealed four ladder trusses going from the grid down to the bottom of the stage, which was full of moving head LED lights, as well as uh, some LED uh, floods which were mappable so you had five large pixels deep and five large pixels wide in in a square and every individual pixel could work individually or as a whole so when it's a, as a whole it will act like a floodlight but individually you could program and map chases and sequences and even if you had enough of them which they had you could actually uh, chart an image which if you're up close you wouldn't be able to tell what the image was but if uh, you were right at the back of the audience you would because you'd have enough of the uh, screen resolution and depth be able to see what shapes are being generated and there were some shapes being generated throughout the show which I thought was a nice touch you definitely could tell that the uh, programmer of that desk knew exactly what he was doing and programmed it very very well so there were some subtle intricacies within that within those led units because the uh, silks had dropped and they're no longer projecting uh, the image from the projector you had all the uh, moving heads give out all these lovely gobo break up lighting patterns as well as those led flood units so you had lots of different shapes and it, was, it looked beautiful it was done subtly and there was no flash and trash you had a little bit of flashing but that was only because it was in time with the music it wasn't over the top it was all complimentary rather than in your face which was really really good and most of the lighting uh, effects they were the shapes were pretty much the same and what I'll say by that is that uh, the, the moving lights were in the same position for most of the songs. They just changed the gobos, or changed the colours, or changed both the colours and the gobos. Then they'd uh, pan it out into the audience depending on what song it is, and then they'd revert back to how they were. So they kept it very, very simple, but very and highly effective, and it worked really, really well. Now sound-wise, just like the uh, support mic of Paris, the sound had 22 karat clarity. And I love that expression, I came, up with it, I came up with it earlier on this afternoon during sound check. And um, I'm going to use that from, uh, from now on. So when you, had, when you have high clarity within the uh, instruments and the vocals and the backing vocals where it just mixes beautifully. And along with that 22 karat clarity, the sound was just not overpowering at all. It was actually one of the quietest shows I've had ever in this arena. I mean, ever. From the size of the sound system as well, I was actually quite surprised how uh, quiet it was. And when and even though it was quiet, it was still impactful. It was mixed beautifully, and you could hear absolutely everything perfectly. So on average it was about 93 decibels in the C unit and I noticed that it maxed out at 101 decibels in on the C unit as well so that's pretty good I mean it's pretty quiet and when I recorded the maximum that was when I was in the pit directly in line with the bottom of the line arrays where the sound bounces down 
so that's the loudest point within the uh, whole arena uh, you know obviously mirrored with stage left and stage right so though you're not going to get any louder than uh, in the in the field of the uh, line arrays but yes 101 decibels on the C on the C unit is pretty quiet compared to what we normally get so well done to the sound engineer well done and as for the band uh, you could tell they f they loved being on that stage you could you could feel in the music they were playing that they had a lot of feeling within that music and it was a joy to watch it was it was really pleasant to see this it really really was it made it made part of the show how they were just enjoying themselves on stage which is the way it should be i mean genuinely that is the way how it should be and even mick hucknell uh, made a uh, comment about her uh, about the covid situation where the show got cancelled for two weeks because the whole band went down with covid apart from one and that was the uh, bassist. He was just being complimented. <laughs> and he got the nickname from the rest of the band as Superman. Because he didn't catch COVID at all. Everyone else got tested positive. Everyone else was uh, sick from it. Mick Hucknall uh, mostly apparently. And uh, you had the bass player just like. Yep yeah, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. Well done. Well done with Mr. Super Immunity there. <laughs> right, so I digress. So getting back to it, Mick Hucknall. Well, his voice. Physically, Mick Hucknall has aged, but his voice, wow. His voice hasn't aged at all. If you close your eyes, you'd hear Mick Hucknall from the 1980s. Well, 1988 to be more precise and the same quality uh, through the 90s so i could just hear mick hucknell from how i grew up with as being you know from being a young lad and uh, his vocal ability has not changed he's not lost anything and he's just as powerful he has just as powerful a voice as he always has done with perfect perfect pitch control absolutely superb it's not often that you get that with an older artist, especially when you've heard them from when they were younger all the way up to them uh, now, today. Because if you think of it this way, when he started out in 1988, I was a five-year-old. I was five in 1988. <laughs> and uh, his vocal ability has just not changed. He's not lost anything. and. He's retained all that vocal ability. It was brilliant, absolutely brilliant to hear. Right, so I actually got a set list in my hand. It's not often that I'm granted a set list uh, these days because people like to keep the sets as very top secret as possible. But here it is. Obviously, from venue to venue, it will change because they like to break things up and move it around and whatnot so they don't get bored. But today's running order was Home, then Over, Never Never Love, Brand New, For Your Babies, Holding, Enough, A New Flame, and that's where the uh, four silk kabukis dropped, Your Mirror, Night Nurse, Fake, Thrill Me, It's Only Love, 
come to my aid, stars, sunrise, something got me started, and and they finished off with fairground. But did they actually finish off? No, because everyone does an encore, and yet a free song encore. So what songs do you reckon I've missed out? What songs do you think he should have played? Well, I'll tell you what, it was money, ain't that a lot of love, and if you don't know me by now. So those were his three encore songs, and on his encore, he had a massive, massive round of applause to get him back on the stage. And I have to say, the uh, wait between going off and coming back on was a little bit longer than usual, but then again, this is Mick Hucknall and Simply Red. They can do whatever they want because it's Mick Hucknall and Simply Red. And you know that they're going to come back on. You know. And also, I would uh, also think that just recovering from COVID, uh, they might, he might still have a little bit of sore in his throat and probably needed a drink. I, I say a drink. He probably uh, necked a whole bottle of uh, water or something. And then he come back on to a massive round of applause. So, and then as he started singing Money, everyone got to their feet. Some people were dancing on the chairs, which is a big no-no in the arena. You're not supposed to do that in case you fall through the chair and hurt yourself. And if you do, you get eaten by a chair. Then you can't claim on the insurance because there are warnings saying, do not stand on chairs. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> there was everyone pulling out their phones, swaying, singing along and dancing to uh, money. Ain't that a lot of love? And everyone, and I mean everyone, saying to if you don't know me by now. And he thanked the audience, gave a massive bow and left the stage to a massive, massive round of applause. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please hit like, subscribe and share. And if you haven't already done so, why not check out more content from Monster X Media by visiting our website, which is www.monsterxmedia.info. And we will catch you next time. Bye for now.